Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Everyone and welcome to Good Love Radio. I am your good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, and we have such an exciting show today. I am, as my mother used to say, beside myself. I always wondered what that really meant. But we have a wonderful guest today who is Lady Sarah Jakes. And I say Lady because I had a chance to work with her doing Girl Talk last year at Megafest. She and her mom hosted Girl Talk at the American Airlines Convention Center. We had 44,000 women in this big, beautiful hall with us, and she held the space like the lady she is. And it would be easy to think this beautiful, glamorous young woman has had an easy life because she's the daughter of Bishop T.D. Jakes, who, as many of you know, is one of the most influential mega church pastors and televangelists in the country. But it hasn't been an easy road. Like every girl, Sarah Jakes dreamed of a life full of love, laughter, happy endings, but her dreams changed dramatically. When she became pregnant at the age of 13, a reality that was compounded by gossip at church and all of the Things that she had hoped for in a fairy tale marriage ended in a spiral of hurt and rejection. She could have let her pain dictate her future, but not this lovely lady. She's written a powerful memoir called Lost and Found Finding Hope in the Detours of Life. And I'm going to tell you right now her website is triple dot com because you're going to want to know more about her so make a note of that website everybody and i want you to run not walk and get that book because we have all had detours in our lives every one of us has been lost at one time or the other god knows i have so in good love radio every single week i want you to remember the key to good love is knowing what you truly want, and more importantly, what you deserve. It is so important. Each week we focus on good love and why it's essential to your greatness. It's essential to your greatness for a minute. Why is it essential to your greatness? Because when we learn good love, we become better people. We're also going to work with how to identify negative love patterns that are blocking you from the intimacy you truly want, and finally, how you can break the chains of what happened back then so you're free to experience the love that is available to you right now. What better guest to help us get rid of those chains and get into what's happening now? So I am so pleased to introduce our Take Charge businesswoman, writer, media personality, who's balancing career, philanthropy, outreach, and family, 
Ms. Sarah Jakes. Hello, Sarah. Hi, how are you? I'm doing so well. It's a pleasure to have you. You impressed me greatly. When we did Girl Talk together with your mom last year at MegaFest, you were as elegant as any young woman could be. Thank you. I really appreciate that. We did have an incredible time there at Girl Talk, and so I'm looking forward to this chat. Oh, beautiful. And, you know, I have to tell you, your son is adorable. I got to also (laughs) meet him when I was down. I said, now, this little boy is too cute. How old is he now? Yes, he is the star of my life. He's 11 years old. I just actually picked him and my daughter, Mackenzie, up from school time trying to get them to be quiet. (laughs) Oh, listen, and if we hear some little noises, we know it's them and we don't mind. We don't mind (laughs) at all because the children aren't supposed to be quiet. (laughs) And they believe in that rule (laughs) full-heartedly. Good for you. Now, Sarah, tell us your story in your own words. I just mentioned a little bit of what you've been through. Everybody would look at you and think, oh, you've got it all. Your dad is Bishop T.D. Jakes, but we know the road has been rocky. Certainly, I think that I grew up in a family that at times seemed bigger than myself and in search of significance within that family, found myself trying to seek validation, whether that was through peers or relationships. And so as I sought that validation, I found myself expecting my first child at the age of 14 and then from there even needing more validation. And so what started as maybe a small insecurity began to really grow and grow into my life until I found myself in toxic relationships, all in search of really self-love and to really fall in love with all of my detours. And so as I began to really embrace myself, it started on this blog that I really thought that no one would ever see. And it was on this blog where it was okay to be broken. And at the time I was married, I was going through some challenges in my marriage, but this blog was my safe place. And it was through this blog that I was able to connect with other women. And I recognized that we have this way of creating masks and facades where we pretend like we have it all together on the outside, but on the inside, really, we're facing some pretty significant challenges that are keeping us from really embracing love, yes. uh, God's love, and grace yes. and fullness. Oh, yeah. I could not agree with you more. And I want everyone to just make a note that what you outlined is that in the midst of all the demands placed on your family, in the midst of all of the media attention and the glare of the bright lights, this little girl felt alone, little Sarah, felt lost and insignificant. And every child has that deep need and craving to feel significant, to feel seen, and what you said about seeking validation. We've all done it. And I want to put a marker down, you know, as the good love doctor here, that very often this is where we end up having problems, is we're looking for the validation from someone else because we can't give that to ourselves without learning how. And by the way, if you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 347-989-0776 or Hit us on Facebook at Dr. Brenda Wade or tweet us, Dr. Brenda Wade. And, Sarah, we let a few people know that we were going to be 
doing an interview today, we already have questions for you, so I'll take those in a minute. But you started the blog, so you had a way to express what was going on inside. Yes, certainly. I started this blog once again, didn't think anyone would see it, and I think my chief complaint was that when you have a baby at a young age, especially when you grow up in church as I did, they tell you to get married as if getting married is going to fix it. And so I got married to this first person who uh, was okay with my insecurity. And though the relationship wasn't healthy and I knew it wasn't healthy before we got married, the fact that he was willing to accept me, flaws and all, really weighed heavily on my decision. And so I'm in this marriage, and we're going through some very serious challenges. And I'm frustrated because I didn't think that at the time I could afford to have another mess up through a divorce. I had this teen pregnancy, but I was suffering on the inside. And so I had this outlet, and I thought at least I could save people from going through what I went through. And so I started basically sending out a smoke signal, like, love yourself, take care of yourself, don't end up like me. And then I really had to challenge myself. You know, you're only in, you're in your 20s. You know, are you really ready to make this commitment to live this life in a masquerade? Or do you really want to take control of your life and undo some of the things that you thought you had to do to fix it and really just let God have control? And so I had to really humble myself in, you know, the court of public opinion and admit that I was in a failing marriage before I could really receive the redemption and ultimately God's grace over my life. And you know what? This is a key, everybody. Write this down. Sarah Jakes, you're speaking wisdom because we can't heal it if we can't see it. That's right. If we can't feel it. And you were able to, with this blog, this is a very useful tool, because you were able to write your feelings so you could see what was really happening. And you got to an authentic place where you could see and feel the pain, and that is the first step in healing. Not only that, not only could I see it, I could also see I wasn't alone because as this blog really started to grow, I think we have a way of thinking that we have a special kind of hurt. Like no one could possibly understand what we've been through. No one could possibly understand our shame and our insecurities. But on this blog, there were people who were telling me, "You're, you know, those were my thoughts. That's my heart. That's what I'm going through. And there was something about the unity of knowing that I wasn't alone that really made me feel more okay in my own skin. Maybe everyone has a little something. And I took my something, and then I wanted to turn it into purpose. And so I took my story, and everyone has a story, and I believe we all have a responsibility to use that story, the highlights and the low points to really help someone else. And so I decided to become even more transparent, and that's what I did in my memoir, Lost and Found. Yeah, and it is important, as you said, to share your story so that so many other people know they're not alone. And often when you're going through changes or situations, you feel alone. So here's a question that someone sent us via Facebook, and he says, I'm a 26-year-old man. I'm curious, what types of emotions did you feel when you were going through a divorce so publicly? Oh, my. I think that at the time that I made the decision to divorce, I, I didn't take it very lightly. I went to counseling. I prayed about it. Because I knew that once I made that decision, especially having to go through it in the public, that I wanted to be sure 
that it is what I felt God, you know, really needed me to do in order for him to have full reign and control over my life. And so, believe it or not, I had a certain level of peace. I was in such a difficult situation in my marriage, uh, multiple infidelities, one resulting in a, a pregnancy. And so I was so broken and felt so weak when I was married that I felt like I, I really didn't have anything to lose, that I was going to take a chance on myself and really pray that God would help me as I took this step of faith. And so I was nervous. I felt like, you know, people are going to judge me and what are they going to think of me. I don't want them to think I am a quitter. But sometimes you have to fight for yourself and fighting for yourself. Yes, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't always look the way people expect. And you have to be willing to be courageous and stand up for yourself. And I have a daughter. She's five years old, and I wanted her to have a healthy image of what love and relationships from a man should be. And so even if no one understood, I knew I had to stand my ground. And I absolutely will tell you, Sarah, because I've spent my entire career 25 years working with literally thousands of couples. There are many, many, many marriages that can be saved. But at the end of the day, I always say if I find somebody in a situation that is destructive, I say, you know what, we may not be able to save this marriage, but we can save you. Right. That's what you've got to save you. Absolutely. It came down to me saving myself and, you know, my health and the well-being of my children. I wrote in Lost and Found about this moment in my marriage where my ex-husband brought a woman to our house and she's parked outside of the car and I lost it. I mean, they called the police on me because I just snapped and I thought, you know, at this point you could be in jail. Like if you stay in this situation, you could end up in a very, very serious altercation. You could get hurt. You could hurt someone else. And I wanted to be able to have more control over my feelings and my emotions and my heart. And so I believe that sometimes when we give our heart away, we don't think that we can get it back. The truth is that you never really fully give yourself away, that you can walk away and build something that is even more indestructible and stronger than what you gave away in the first place. Now, I hope you'll forgive me for putting it like this, Lady Sarah, because I know you are a lady, but I tell people this. There are worse things than being lonely and horny. And one of them being with somebody who is tearing you down. Absolutely. And I, of course, always encourage people, go to counseling, go to therapy, read, study, learn, grow in your capacity to love. Because, And let me just say this real quick before we go back to your amazing story. I want everyone to remember when we learn better, we love better. Love is just like learning to drive a car. You should know the rules of the road, how to maintain the vehicle, how to go about, if the car breaks down, getting it fixed. Okay, so you think about your love life and ask, do I have a license to love? Oh, thank you for letting me say that. I think it goes back to also really understanding why you are in a relationship. Are you whole? Do you know why you were created? Are you in love with yourself? Can you teach someone how to love you? What does love mean to you? Mm-hmm. And if you can't answer those questions independently, you can't really love another person because you don't understand what love is to you. And so I was very young when I got married. I was 19 years old, and I was really just looking for someone who would make me feel better about the fact that I had my baby at an early age. 
And that's not what marriage is built on. That's not God's definition of marriage. That's not what he's called us to to really enter into. And so um, my I have someone in my life who tells me, you know, there are marriages that God puts together and there are relationships that men put together. And I think we find ourselves in these relationships that we put together and then ask God to save. And then God questions us, and says, well, did I put you in it? And, you know, there are opportunities certainly where he's able to fix it and he's able to turn situations around. But ultimately it's on us to really be honest and transparent about what our relationships are built from. Exactly. And most people, just as you've said so eloquently, most people, and I've done it, okay, I've got my hand up over here because I've had my own divorce. It's part of what makes me good at what I do. I know the pain and the humiliation of being the love doctor on national television. And I was hosting a television show, you'll love this, called Can This Marriage Be Saved? And my marriage was going down the tubes in spite of all the counseling and everything else because most of us are choosing marriages based on our unhealed wounds. And that's what you're illuminating. Your unhealed wounds said, well, God, I, I have a baby. I feel ashamed. I better get married. That'll clean up the shame. But you know what? You've learned so much that you're sharing with us. Now, we have a quick question This question is from a lady named Jan. She said, did you ever feel like there was no way out? And did you shift, ah, did you shift your mind? How did you shift your mind out of that mental state? I did. I certainly felt like I was trapped. I was away from my family. They had no idea what was going on in my life, and so I had this whole Um, secret life on the inside. And I think that the reality is that sometimes we block ourselves in, that we trap ourselves by the way we think and the way we process. But the reality is we always have the power to choose. Now, choosing may mean that, you know, we have to break the masquerade, and choosing may mean that we become rumors and gossips within our communities or our families. But we can't allow that to trap us in situations that are ultimately toxic for us. It's a a shameful thing to be prideful and broken because when you're too prideful, then you can't get the healing that you really need. And so I, I never think that we're as trapped as we think we are. That shifting our mind really became about, well, why can't I make this decision to heal? Why can't I become whole? Is it because I'm afraid of opinions? And how long am I going to allow opinions to be my master? And once you ultimately make a decision that your happiness, your future, your well-being is more important than the opinions of other people and that God's call on your life, God's uh, desire for you to be loved fully the way that he loves you is more important than the codependency that we create in relationships, then you really get your freedom. And on the other side of all of those fears that we have when we're breaking out of our boxes. On the other side of that fear is a level of freedom and joy and happiness that we've always said that we want. Which is where you are now. And I just love how you gave that beautiful description. Everybody, write this down. Because what you said is your happiness and well-being has to be more important than being trapped by shame and public opinion. And one of the things I say to people all the time, and I believe this is what you're saying, I tell people, you know, what you think of me is none of my business. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Because we can't make ourselves slaves to public opinion. and But you're in a unique situation, my dear, where everybody's looking at you and looking at your family. So public opinion weighs heavily, weighs heavily on your shoulders because you know people are, in fact, looking at you and your dad and your mom and your siblings and talking. When I was uh, I was with your mother for God's leading lady, she invited me to come down and present the love portion of the class, and I I was so moved and so impressed. I changed my flight and stayed to listen to your mother give the Mother's Day message. Now I hope you heard that message where she said to people, "Keep your mouth off my children." <laughs> that sounds just like her <laughs> because she is aware that. People are talking. So how do you deal with the people talking about you? How do you hold your ground? I really think that when you're the one in the spotlight, whether that's, you know, a huge 35,000-member congregation or your classroom or your family of 10, 15 people, that when you're the one in the spotlight that it doesn't really matter how many people are watching. It's the fact that people are watching. And so even though I do have maybe more eyes on me than the average person may have, I think ultimately that we all feel like we're on a stage in life and that we have all of these people waiting to weigh in and give their opinions on how we should live. And so I think it goes back to really developing a relationship with God, not just quoting scriptures, not just religion, but to really know God for yourself in a way that gives you freedom to be okay and comfortable in your own skin and to make decisions that are going to better you and better your children and better your future without being ashamed or guilty of that. And I believe that once you've achieve that level of comfort in your relationship and walk with God, that you, you're able to withstand the spotlight. It's not that you, it doesn't get to you because everyone has their days and moments, but you don't allow that to dictate your next action and your next decision. Exactly. Now, you published a book called Colliding with Destiny. Tell us what I motivated did. you to write that book, because this is your life story and the lives of other women who've overcome extreme challenges. Well, I, most people don't know this because Colliding with Destiny is was released after Lost and Found, but I actually wrote Colliding with Destiny first. And for me, it was kind of this way of connecting with the biblical character of Ruth in the Bible. And through that connection with her, it helped me to see that, you know, from this present day to back to the days in the Bible, that women have always had these opportunities where they've been faced with uh, collisions and life and that we have these collisions and sometimes we're so obsessed with the fact that we've had a collision, that we've been broken, that we've been shattered, that we don't realize that there's destiny even in those moments. And so Ruth really gave me the courage to write Lost and Found. And so that's a curse story and a few other stories from women in history along the way and really created this book and manual rather that I think helps people to really discover their collisions and the death on the other side of it. Yeah, and you know what you are illuminating for us is that life always gives us challenges. And without those challenges, we don't become our true selves. If you haven't been challenged, you're not even alive. 
Because that's, right. that's how <laughs> that's life is. Right. And the question isn't whether you have a challenge. It's what do you do with your challenge? And Sarah Jakes, you have taken your challenges and turned them into, I always say, stumbling blocks to stepping stones. You've turned these things that were stumbling blocks to you into stepping stones for yourself, your children, and so many other people. And that is a beautiful thing. We've got one other question here. This says, what is your advice to someone who is going through a divorce? I'm in a very unexpected situation. And they don't elaborate on what that situation is. just says your advice to someone going through a divorce. And it sounds um, like wow. uh, something happened here. Out of the blue. I, w- I would suspect that some of the unexpected that happen in our life aren't as unexpected as we maybe desire them to be, that if we really took a chance to retrace our steps and to really look at the lessons that that moment is teaching us, that we would have learned all of these little clues along the way that ultimately help us to see our ownership in it. And I believe once we discover our ownership that we can then find our power. I'll tell you that when I wrote Lost and Found, I was tempted for just a moment to write this book about, you know, this young girl who got into a relationship and once in the relationship he cheated. And, you know, this tale of really a victim. And, and though I do feel in many ways that certainly, you know, there were some victim moments in there that I was my own victim long before I entered into that relationship, that my self-esteem was so low in such a way that I had fallen in love with victimizing myself and only wanted to be attracted to people who then would make me their victim as well. And I believe that once you really discover your own pathology, your own patterns and patterns and relationship, that you learn what to avoid in the future. And so, you know, whether expected or unexpected, I believe that you have a lesson in that and that to not be so consumed with the fact that it hurt and not to be so consumed with the fact that it was embarrassing, but to rather really be courageous enough to discover the lesson that that moment is going to teach you and don't be afraid to use that lesson in your future. Yes, and it is so important to be aware of using the lessons. And I'm going to connect those dots you just laid out there, Lady Sarah. You said you went from being victimized, because you were, to feeling like a victim and then going, wait a minute, I don't have to be a victim anymore. I don't have to be. I can actually take this situation and turn it around and make it something useful for me. Now, you also talked about patterns. Everybody's got a love pattern. You know, I teach a class called Unchain Your Love, and the first thing we do is what is your love pattern? Are you a love doormat, a love destroyer, a love seeker, or are you a love freezer? And what you described was you started out as a love doormat, but, oh, have you ever shifted that pattern? Yeah, absolutely. I had to. I wrote and lost and found that no matter what you want, I think we all want this you know, fairy tale, and then we want this love that respects us and honors us and cherishes us. But no matter what we want, we're only responsible for what we create. And so I had to take responsibility for the fact that though I wanted all of those things in love, that I had decided to accept and settle 
on something different. And so if I really wanted that love and I thought that I deserved it, I had to create a new standard and really challenge, you know, the person I was in a relationship with to meet that standard or to allow me to be released in such a way that I could create the type of love that I knew I deserved. Yes. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you could give some advice right now, one of the topics that's on everybody's mind is domestic violence. If you could give advice to women in a domestic violence situation, whether it's, you know, the lovely sister married to Mr. Ray Rice or whether it's a woman we've never heard of who's at home in that situation, what would you say to them? Oh, my goodness. I think that for women who find themselves in relationships, even if it's not physically abusive, that a lot of times it can be emotionally abusive, that it can be verbally verbally abusive, that you can't always count on the person who hurts you to heal you, that at a certain point you have to take inventory of your own heart and decide what's more important, salvaging a toxic relationship or really giving yourself a chance to become healthy and whole. And I believe that it's a process. It's step-by-step. You don't have to make a decision about every single thing right there in that moment, but at minimum you can say, I want better, and I am going to get better by separating myself for a minute. And through this separation, I'm going to do this and X, Y, and Z. You know, maybe it's not making the ultimate decision to file for divorce like I did, but perhaps in that separation and during that moment of healing, you can have some clarity so hard when you're right in the middle to see things clearly, but having the ability to really be willing to take a step back and to see where's my heart, how am I doing, and really giving yourself the love that you wish you could receive from that other person. Yeah, and I love what you said, and I would add to it, love, real love, isn't supposed to hurt. You're not supposed to be battered in the name of love, and that's not love. When somebody needs to hit you and hurt you, that's not love. That's just abuse. And nobody deserves abuse. Nobody deserves to be hit or beaten. And if you stay, you've got to ask that question, like Lady Sarah just said, you know, what in me makes me think this is all I deserve or this is the only chance? So I appreciate you giving some advice and a step back getting out of that situation and getting someplace where you're safe. And if you don't have the means to move or you don't have a family member who can shelter you, we have shelters all over this country for battered women and their children. But get yourself safe and get some distance so, as Lady Sarah said, you can look at that situation and begin to question whether you need to stay in a situation like that. So, Lady Sarah, I know we are running out of time. I want to give you an opportunity. What would you most like to leave our listeners with? What's on your heart that you want to leave them with? And I want everyone, let me just say this again, I want you to run. Don't even walk. Just run and get colliding with destiny. Run and get Lady Sarah's second book that came out first i love how you said that <laughs> it came out second but it was really first which was colliding with destiny and then your new book lost and found and her website is com. and what would you like to leave people with 
It's always my prayer that whenever I share a part of my story, that someone really sees a piece of themselves because if they can see a piece of themselves, that means whatever hope I found in my own detours, whatever grace I found on my life exists on their life too. And so it's not only my prayer that they see that hope and see that grace, but that they really begin to actualize it by having actions and creating new patterns that really allow love and grace to abide in their lives. And so I hope that some part of this conversation felt like hearing your own self speak and then through that that you really begin the healing that you so does and need. Thank you so much, everyone. This is Lady, and she will always be a lady, Lady Sarah Jakes, and telling her story courageously and holding her head up high because those stumbling blocks surely have become stepping stones. And I want anyone who is listening, if you want to unchain from your love pattern, I'm going to give a gift. And that is a free 60-minute teleseminar with me. Just hit me back on Facebook, tweet me, or my website. They are all three, drbrendawade.com. And, Lady Sarah, I will see you at Megafest next year for Girl Talk. We have lots more to talk about. Thank you for taking the time to bless us with your wisdom. I appreciate it so much. All right, many blessings, my dear. God bless you. All right, everyone, thanks for joining us on Good Love Radio. Thank you to our producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning. And stay tuned. We have so much more coming up in the very near future right here on Good Love Radio. I'm Dr. Brenda Wade. (laughs) 